We are recording. It is September the 8th, 2022 on the prayer list. I have a, a fellow, Heath McDonald, that's needing a total restoration after being given a bunch of bogus cancer medicine. Mm. <clears throat> um, uh, Chuck Knipp and his dad, Randolph, I'll try to keep them on here. And uh, John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda, friends of the study and friends of the podcast, we don't advertise this podcast, but we got a couple hundred downloads a month. I don't know where they're coming from, <laughs> but they are. Uh, Marta and Charles, for Charles' continued healing with his back, and for Marta to also be well, and for their their uh, trucking business to prosper. Reverend Davis and his wife, praying that Miss Carrie is doing much better. Uh, Marcos Santibanez, salvation for his son and continued healing for his mother. Our children and grandchildren, all of them, for blessings and protection. Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike, and salvation for them and other family members that he keeps on his prayer list. Uh, our country, uh, the folks in Ukraine, also the water shortage on the west coast. We're praying for our nation, praying for these people that are supposed to be in charge. <laughs> to turn to God. To turn to God. Eric, Ted, Rex, Reverend Davis and family, America, President Trump, and his family, and unsaved family members. President Trump needs a lot of prayer. Uh, Satan has really rolled up both sleeves here. So we got to uh, we got to cover that man and his family in prayer. No one that ever held that office has ever done anything near bad enough to be put through what that man has been put through. I don't know how he sustains it. Oh, could have added uh, John Redmore and his wife. Yeah, have you heard from them? Yeah, I saw them over there. Yeah, we right. talked to John and he mm -hmm. said we miss coming over here we said if Kathy ever gets back going again well, that would be great she's, come back. Okay. she's, down, she's lost so much weight she's down oh. 90 pounds right really? now really? what's wrong? Uh, she just like constant diarrhea just huh. something just been well that uh, Crohn's and irritable bowel is a mind body effect and um, I've studied this for years because I've been living in it. And I, I will find a way to make it understandable in my own life. And then it'll prop up on me somewhere else. So that is definitely, without question, a mind-body effect. It, it comes from being, maybe having some issues of uh, anxiety. You know, when you get anxiety inside, you have these things. Now, if you're on a whole crap load of pills, and anything's liable to happen. And if you uh keyword is crap. Crap load, yeah. So Ray for him and Judy and uh, and for Ray's head to clear up. Salvation for our nation and leaders. For Mark's dad and that he would find peace and comfort and we know he knows you, Lord. I I know he's probably more than ready. Children and grandchildren, 
George and Weiser, senior and junior, and then also Joe, uh, Robert Bryant. And uh, this is uh, Kathy, Harmon. Kathy Harmon. And uh, Neil King, is that it? Mm -hmm. And our friend Gary, who owns the subway. Let's uh, join hands. Gary needs a touch of healing, a lot of healing. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Here, <laughs> God, we do thank you for your many blessings, for protecting us, for giving us wisdom, for being with us in our study, in our assembly. We lift these up, these prayer requests, that you would put these things in your mind for our sakes and show yourself mighty in the lives of these folks, folks who need a healing from Normally, Lord, uh, they're needing healed from the medicine they've been taking instead of any certain disease. I just pray, God, that you bring those who are not yet saved to the cross as we finish out these seemingly last days. In Jesus' name, amen. If this is the year, September 25th, this is the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, we, I think I wanted to talk about rapture timing and uh, <coughs> trumpets. This is my view. I haven't heard anybody else teach this, but to me it couldn't make more sense. I mean, it just really couldn't. I've used this analogy before. You know, people are trying to put a model car together without the instructions. And they know kind of what a car looks like, or they should, and they get three of the wheels on, and they got this fourth wheel here. They don't know where to put it. Well, there's a there's a vacant wheel arch there and an axle that you might think of putting that wheel there. But now here they come, and they glue the wheel to the roof of the car and try to tell you that that's how things are. There are so many people. And, you know, here's the thing. You have a certain level of intelligence. God, That's a God-given thing. Forrest has talked a lot about this. You get what you get. You cannot gain intelligence. It is just what you have. You can gain knowledge. You can get knowledge by going to college, universities. There are medical doctors out there that have gained enough knowledge to pass all of the tests to be certified to practice medicine. But they're not intelligent. They people. are not intelligent. In fact, a lot of them probably have a very low IQ. These are totally different uh, things, intelligence and knowledge. But then wisdom is the thing that we should seek above all, more precious than rubies, the Bible tells us. Wisdom only comes from God. It comes from nowhere else. It comes from no one else. Wisdom comes from God. So, the Word of God is very complex, very multifaceted. And I think that for many people who try to understand it, or God forbid, people who try to teach it. It's like they're playing whack-a-mole with the doctrine. Oh, nope, 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 nope. 
post-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. Put that, what is this over here? I don't like this, that it's going to be like in the days of Noah. People are marrying and giving in marriage and buying and selling and all this. I whack that one out. You can't see that. You know, this place in, in, in the book of Luke, it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be like that in the day of the Lord. People are buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage and, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, there it is. The judgment. That doesn't fit their post-trib doctrine, so they whack them all. Get that out of here. That's the problem, exactly. isn't it? About this point in time, by the end of the tribulation, we're looking at four billion with a B people dead. Early in Revelation. They'll be drinking blood, eating cannibalism. Sure. And so this is not what gonna be taking whoever they want in marriage. Exactly. So they're not going to be thinking of marrying. They're going to be thinking of surviving. The, uh, the demons, the Antichrist body. Yeah. Early in Revelation, one-fourth of the population dies. During those sealed judgments. And that's about two billion people out of eight billion. Later in Revelation, one-third of the population dies. When there's only six billion left, that's another two billion. Um, by the time you get to the bold judgments or vile judgments in the King James um, of Revelation, nobody's eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They're hanging on for dear life at one point in <laughs> Revelation. They're praying for the yelling for the mountains to fall on them. But see, so they have this peace to this truth model. They have more than a couple of pieces, to be honest. They have more than a couple. And um, they don't want to put them where they belong. They want to have a doctrine that ends up looking like one of those Chinese puzzles. One of those optical illusions. I don't know what to say to that. It, 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 it's puzzling to me to use the word puzzling. It is. Like, you know, here you have everything laid out in print in, in a book that God has seen to preserve. And there it all is. But you don't want to take it all. You want to come up with a doctrine first and then look through the Bible and cherry pick and cafeteria scripture to find things that appear to support what you believe. If the Bible taught a post-trib rapture, I would be... Okay with that? It'd have to be, wouldn't I? But it does not teach that. It doesn't teach that. This uh, Queen uh, Elizabeth. Now, you thought it was bad when the McCain tar died and we had to put up with about 30 days of nothing but, you know, the exalted John McCain. 
this is all we're going to have for a month or more. Oh, yeah. They'll use it to direct everybody's attention away from what's really going on. That's what they're going to do. Well, this her, Charles, he's king now. King Charles. He said fairly recently that uh, there, because of the uh, climate emergency, that many nations would have to be forced, even under military power, to comply with regulations. He said this will take trillions of dollars. T, trillions, not B, he said it that way. Trillions. I'll probably go ahead and keep my truck. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> trillions of dollars. And he said it needs to be under the power of the director. Then he will be able to do this and he will be able to do that globally. The mask is off. The Antichrist is right around the corner. Second Thessalonians 2, we read this a lot, I get that. We read it a lot because we're right here at the threshold. At the beginning, 2 Thessalonians 2 now. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day, the day of Christ, is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Don't be fooled. If you get a letter or somebody comes along with a teaching, don't be troubled. Don't be shaken in your mind, verse 2 says, or troubled. Okay, whatever this day of Christ is, is something that would be troubling to them. We see this, right? The day of Christ and the day of God. Christ and God are the same, right? Yeah. The day of the Lord. Well, sometimes uh, one is referring to the tribulation and one to the final judgment. Right. The great white throne judgment, God the Father. That's the one the last I don't want to be. No, and, and you won't be, John. You, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. It's that simple. That's it. You know, Romans chapter 10 tells us. Sometimes we, we wonder about, oh, boy, I sure hope so-and-so's in heaven. We'll read Romans 10. It, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, <coughs> and you confess that with your mouth, you believe it in your mind, you confess it with your mouth, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. You don't have to have your doctrine in order, and that's a good thing because I don't think any one person ever does. It's always a work in progress as you endeavor to understand it. Remember, Peter was teaching Judaism, <laughs> uh, Judaizing his disciples or people following him that he was teaching. Uh, yet he gave that amazing speech at Pentecost. He was a true believer. But he got into error. Paul corrected him. Peter didn't listen. How do we know Peter didn't listen? Because in Acts chapter 10, Peter's telling God, 
Not so, Lord. I'm not going to take and eat unclean things. But after that vision that God gave him of the sheet lowered down from heaven with all of these uh, heretofore unclean animals on it, God said, I've made them clean. Don't call it unclean if what I have made clean. So Peter came along. So just because somebody's got some issues with their doctrine doesn't mean they're not saved. And again, we should all rejoice in that because none of us are going to have this ironed out perfect. But we are to study, the Bible says, study to show yourselves approved. When we stop studying, well, we're not approved. Yes, it is. So, this event, this um, that the day of Christ is at hand, this was worrying the Thessalonian church. They were troubled by it, shaken in their minds that this day of Christ is at hand. That means the day of judgment. He has come to pour out judgment on the earth. Uh, let's look at the end of uh, Revelation chapter 6. I might keep my place in Thessalonians there. I don't know. In Revelation chapter 6, these are the seals, the seal judgments that are being opened up. And Christ is the one found worthy and the only one worthy to open these seals. Lots happen here. A lot of stuff happens. And, uh, you know, and it says at the end of that chapter, chapter 6, Pick it up in verse 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand well the Thessalonians are thinking goodness we're go back to 2nd Thessalonians 2 if you will we're uh, we're going to come up for judgment any day now the great day of his wrath has come we got a letter from somebody that told us this Interestingly, somebody that told them that might have really believed it. They might have really thought they were doing some good. Not every false teacher is doing it on purpose. They think they're telling you the truth. They want to help you. We were talking earlier about the timing of the rapture and, and, and things like eternal security. They'll say, well, I want you to know that you can lose your salvation. If you go putting around and thinking you can't lose your salvation, you're going to make some horrible mistakes and then turn around and lose it. You're going to be sad. You're going to be condemned to hell because you lost your salvation. 
because you thought you couldn't and you act in all these other ways. Chuck Mosher said the child of God had called him Butterfingers. <laughs> God's not Butterfingers, that's for sure. So, um, or you know, they, they'll say, well, you know, when these judgments come and all hell's breaking loose on earth and you didn't get your rapture ride, you're going to cast your faith under the bus. You're going to abandon your faith and perish to hell. You won't be one of the overcomers. You won't be one of the overcomers. I think the contrary people the spirit going of the Antichrist is what that is. Yeah. There are people that go into the tribulation that um, know the Bible fairly well and just didn't incorporate it into their lives. Right. They're going to they're going to start thinking. Oh yeah. They'll yeah. Know what, they'll know what happens when it happens. They'll yeah. know. And and not only that, but Revelation says that so many people are saved during the tribulation. They will can't count them. Yeah. Can't count them. Yeah. That's right. Of course, a lot of them are Jews. It's mainly Jews. Well, look in here again at Second Thessalonians two. Verse three: Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, what day is that? The day of Christ. The day of judgment. This isn't that day. That day that's being talked about here is the day they were worried about. That's the day they thought they had arrived at. And they weren't expecting that. Remember? 1 Thessalonians 4, he talked about the fact that... Uh, well, let's, let's flip back to... Actually, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I think is where this verse is. I didn't make any notes. You see, they left at Noah for 120 years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it came on. Verse 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. <coughs> from the wrath to come. What's wrong? What? Um, so we are delivered from the wrath to come. Not put into the wrath to come. And it says that about the church of, of, of Philadelphia, too. Yes, uh, we're going to go to Revelation 3 in just a moment. We'll look at that. That's a good, good point. So anyway, they were worried about that. He says, don't let anybody deceive you, for that day shall not come, as 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I know... Uh, Maybe beating this horse a lot, but it's one that just keeps trying to rear its head up. Well, that falling away right there, now there's the rapture. That's the rapture right there, the falling away. The church goes up and they fall away, and then here comes Antichrist. Uh, no, buddy. No, I'm sorry. You don't fall, you fall down, not fall up. Well, a lot of times, and a lot of these false teachers, they'll just really not up on you. When you ask them, what does that say in Greek? This was written in Koine Greek. That's the original. Mm -hmm. Falling away is apostasia, apostasy. 
the, and we see this now, don't we? The phony Ronnie virus has caused so many people to stop going to church to forsake the assemblies. They want to sit at home in their pajamas and watch it on uh, Facebook. Falling away is an apostasy. So that has to happen before that day of judgment comes. And something else has to happen before that day of judgment comes. What is that? The man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Here's your Antichrist. So before this judgment comes, you're going to see the church, so-called, fall away. They're not the real church. They're the yeah, ch- tares in the wheat. I believe we're about ready to see it too. Yes, I think I we are. It's really about ready to see the Antichrist. The son of perdition is about ready to be revealed. And the thing about it is, he's not going to come in with a lot of uh, power or dictatorship at first. He's going to win the world over. He'll be an angel of light. Yes. Like the scriptures say. And and he's going to be begged to be in that position. Well, and this King Charles character, I'm calling him King now because that's that's where he's at. It's a matter of coronation. Then the king was King watched that on TV. Yeah. Moses watched. And then King uh, Solomon in uh, Egypt. Uh, Solomon. Yeah. So those are three kings. Uh, there's going to be one Antichrist. Yeah. But this uh, Charles, this King Charles now, was speaking at this delegation, some kind of a, a public forum about global warming. That's their scapegoat. Yeah. That's their thing they hang all this on, this depopulation. He's been very, very <laughs> adamant about depopulating the earth. So they're all behind these poison vaccines. It's causing more and more people every day to die. And then when they die from the effects of the so-called vaccine, that why well, they died of COVID. It was COVID pneumonia. It was was a COVID uh, heart attack. You know, it was COVID uh, kidney failure, COVID-related. You know, it was a COVID uh, broken leg. I mean, this is how they're doing. And and, um, I mean, Satan's very clever. He's very clever, but he cannot outwit God. So they're looking for these two things. Uh, verse 5, we'll skip there. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth, and that means prevents or holds back, will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath, hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. He's telling them, relax. This day of judgment is not at hand. It's not underway right now. There are some things that have to happen. I think the church will see who the Antichrist is. And that will probably happen simultaneous with the uh, the one who restrains the you know. Uh, why haven't there been nuclear wars yet? The restrainer. That's right. He's stopping it from happening. Mm -hmm. And many other things he is preventing. Yeah, we can't even comprehend what what's going to take place on this earth once the Holy Spirit is removed. Unreal. It's going to be awful. The rapture what? A lot of people interpret that. As the church being gone? Absolutely. The, it's, the body of believers and when his, Well, that's going to I'm not saying that. I'm saying a lot of people... Oh, I hear that a lot. ...that when the restraining force of the indwelt believers leaves this planet, that's when... All hell breaks loose. Yeah. Now, there will be tribulation saints. Uh, it appears that this will be a works-based thing. Uh, go to... Revelation 3. And that the Holy Spirit comes to be with the Jewish Billy Brahms as he did in the Old Testament sense. That's what they say. I'm not saying that's the way it is. I'm Jewish Billy Graham. 144,000. Oh, those. Yeah, oh, they're sealed so that they can live through this. They Absolutely. won't be harmed. Absolutely. Um, my belief is, and this is from Romans 11. This Are we is, in Romans 3? I mean Revelation Revelation 3, 3 yeah. I'm just telling you what I'm getting ready to say is in Romans 11. It, it talks about this Jewish remnant in Romans 11. And Paul says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are your enemies. But as far as, um, the, the, you know, the... Well, look, Hold your place there. Let me not miss. Let me not hash this up. I'll, I'm. You don't need to. I'll just go there and read it to you, right quick. Um, it's as far as election. Yes, yeah, that And that's not Calvinism. This is uh, as this is verse eleven, uh, Romans eleven twenty eight. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved. For the Father's sakes, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. This is the chapter where he tells you they've been blinded in part, these Jewish people. Back to mm -hmm. Revelation 3. Until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. God, uh, if he blinds this Jewish remnant to where they can't yet receive the truth, what happens to them when they die? What happened to Abraham, Isaac, and you know, Jacob when they died? What happened to Moses when I they died? I thought they were given a second chance. They never got the first one yet, but they will get the first one. Um, this was Abraham's bosom referred to in the book of Luke, and that's chapter um, 16, I believe it is. Um, you can't go to God 
except through Christ. That's, that's, made, right. that's made very clear. That's so right. where did they go? Well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't go to God. They couldn't. Moses could. Christ went and got them. He went and got them. That's right. He captivity led captivity chapter. out. <laughs> now, many people believe that once he had done that, that area was shut down. The Bible doesn't say that it was. My theory, or what seems to be being taught, is these that are held in blindness for the sake of the Gentiles, they'll go there. And they'll await witnesses, just like Jesus went. But there was somebody ahead of Christ who went to that place, John the Baptist. And he went and proclaimed. You know he did because that's what he was doing here on earth. When he went to this Abraham's bosom and he saw the Old Testament saints, he's, he's coming. He's right at the door. He's almost here. Get ready. Okay, so he leads them all out when he goes and takes them out. What about that place now? Paul talks in Romans 11 about this remnant. He saved a remnant of the Jewish people through the ages. Can't go to God the Father because they can't receive Christ yet. In Revelation 11, the two witnesses, which will be Moses and Elijah. They were at the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jerry, you fell upon something that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Well, that was in um, uh, Revelation, let's see, where was that? Uh, 11, 6. The, re the witnesses. Where, where it says that who the two witnesses mm -hmm. are. It says those who prophesied on earth to stop it rain and also to bring plagues. Now, who would that be? Well, Moses, Moses brought the plagues and Elijah, Elijah. stopped the rain. Mm -hmm. So they die for three days. Where'd they go? I would say they went back to Abraham's bosom to tell those that are there the times of That's good, though. That's, that's right. Somewhere along the way, I don't And then they're marvelously resurrected. Amen. But Moses and Elijah are the two. You got the seven minority, seven candlesticks. Yeah. And then the other two, they're feeding oil on them. That's Moses and Elijah. Yeah, they're very prominent. Well, they, that you know, was translated, and Satan and Michael contended for Moses' life. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knows where Moses was buried. That's it. The thing about it is, if you think about um, this uh, place uh, called Hades, um, or Abraham's bosom, one is one side and the other is the shield. Air-conditioned side. Shield. And it's obviously, you know, it says the sides of the pit uh, is a great gulf. Okay, if, if the one still exists, Hades, then Abraham's bosom still exists. Yeah, why would so it? So you know it does because where are those people going that are awaiting judgment? Right. Yeah, I mean, this is how you put it all together. You connect the dots, you, you take a look at your truth model, and you keep reading, and you keep studying, and you find more parts that fit onto it properly, and sometimes you find something that won't fit you don't change the scripture to make it fit. You adjust your truth model to make it more perfect. So uh, Revelation 3 verse 5 
He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. People that believe you can lose salvation like that verse because, why, well, you could get your name blotted out. He was just to say he would not blot out his name in the book of life, but if you don't overcome... You've got to overcome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you have to overcome. And they'll say that. Well, you got to get out there. You can't You can't skip church. you got to be an overcomer. You know, if they have a bake sale and they need somebody to put sprinkles on the cupcakes, you better be there. you got to be an overcomer. Uh, let's go back to 1 John. One thing about that book of life uh, that I've noticed lately there was two books open. One was the Book of Life, and one was uh, the Save People that are uh, in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the other is the Book of Life. There's two books that were Yeah, the Book of okay. Life is just whoever lived. Yeah, everybody, everybody that lived is in that Book of Life, and you get blotted out if you don't get saved, so to speak. But so you have to be an overcomer. So this is going to tell you how you do that. First John chapter 5. And this is the same Greek word. First John. John 5. Whenever you're trying to put doctrine together, you better check your, your Greek uh, to make sure you're not connecting two English spelled words mm-hmm. that, that the original didn't, didn't mean that they were the same. But this is the same. Overcometh. Verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. There you go. There you go. So, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you're not going to be blotted out. There is no condemnation. That's it. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Yep. So, back in Revelation uh, um, 3. The Church of Philadelphia. Verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. If you're writing your Bible, underline open door. And no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. If you are part of the church of Philadelphia, you will be protected. You will go through an open door. And you will be protected from this hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. What about this? Um, well, I'll read further. 
Behold, I come quickly, hold fast, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now this gets serious. Not that that wasn't serious, but listen to this. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The very first thing God created was his own body, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man heareth my voice and openeth the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Not everyone has an ear. A lot of, I guess, people think that they do. They think they're hearing what God is saying. And we have to examine ourselves and make sure we're not hearing something. We're just hearing it like we want to hear it instead of hearing it like it's intended. Uh, tells us in Peter that Scripture is given to no private interpretation. What does that mean when it says that? It might be in uh, 1 Peter uh, 1 or 20, maybe, I don't know. I uh, might be too, whichever one you see. That's in the uh, Second Peter. It is chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. What that means is you don't get to make up what it means. It means what it means. What you need to do is find out what it really means. Find out what God meant by it. He will show you if you're seeking Him. I, I know this to be a fact. There have been so many things I've puzzled over 
as I tried to make sense of Old and New Testament and the doctrine of Christianity. And God, by His Holy Spirit, would see that I was in a conundrum and I didn't want to get asked a question that I couldn't answer. So He shows you what it really means, the true interpretation, the one correct interpretation. Not stuff that all over the map stuff. I know that there are passages that probably bother us all. A lot of people who really hate the consumption of alcohol will stand there, three-piece suit and fancy tie, and tell you that the Bible condemns the consumption of alcohol when it clearly does not. That's the first miracle well they say turn it into grape juice but uh, that's certainly not true you know uh, well since you mentioned that go to the gospel of John chapter 2 and it was real good for the, the other guy there he said you say the best to the last yeah. John chapter 2 and he did turn that water into wine and uh, I need to find exactly where I want to find it. Uh, verse 9 of John 2. Well, let me pick it up in verse 8 where Christ speaks. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. He had done turn his water into wine. And they bear it. They did it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, if I could get a soda water. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Do you know what the well drunk there means? They got drunk. They got drunk. Look up the Greek once again. Same as the day of Pentecost. Exactly. They said... They figured that that's a real problem for those who teach that all of the wine in the Bible is new wine and new wine was grape juice. No. Well, Brother Perry, I love him to death and he's had some setbacks, but the Lord's taken care of him, I'm sure. And uh, God forbid I would ever be in a position like he was in and the devil coming at you with both barrels day in and day out, night in and night out. It takes one heck of a man to stand up to that stuff. But you know the scripture says if uh, you fall, he's going to pick you back up. Perry Stone is over and over. He's a man of God. He's a brother in Christ. And, um, you know, uh, nobody is perfect. No one is perfect. But uh, at uh, Pentecost, when they were speaking in that heavenly language that only some were able to hear in their own language. 
not everyone there heard Peter's sermon in their own language. Some said they couldn't, they couldn't understand it. They said they, these people are full of new wine. Uh-oh. How could new wine make you drunk? Because it does, that's how. It's not grape juice. Um, Reverend Welch wasn't around back then, thank you, baby. In, in the early New Testament days. He, he was a reverend, and he figured out how to keep grape juice from fermenting and turning into alcoholic wine so that they could drink grape juice for communion, which is fine. But uh, no, after the grape harvest, not long after the grape harvest, all this stuff's fermenting. It's going to. It ferments until there's enough alcohol in it to kill the yeast that is spurring on the fermenting. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Poor Perry one time, Stone, he says, I can tell you how I know that that ain't wine. I can tell you now. Because wine's got yeast in it and grape juice doesn't. That's how I know. He got that backwards. Grape juice does have yeast. Wine has no yeast. Because the alcohol kills the yeast. What's the yeast a picture of? Sin. Leaven. God is amazing how he lays things out. I was getting ready to just say here that... Uh, Today, when we want to do the little emojis, when we're typing, we can do the colon and a smiley face. Who's got a King James here? Okay. Look at uh, verse 9 of, of John chapter 2. Okay. I see this in a lot of places, and everywhere I see it, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit anticipated, yeah, I'm going to give you a little wink right here. Because it's a semicolon and a right parenthesis. John... Chapter 9. No, John chapter 2 and verse 9. Mm -hmm. This is when the ruler of the feast had tasted. You see that? Yeah. It tasted. Yeah. But you'll see it over and over. Yeah. In places where it's like the Holy Spirit is like. <laughs> you know? It's it's interesting. But the servants which drew the water knew. The, the little yeah. weak smiley face. <laughs> I know. And, and you'll see it elsewhere. And it's always at a place where. It's almost like the Holy Spirit's giving you a wink right there. Like, yep. Okay. Right here it is. Chapter uh, 2, verse 9. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you'll see that little semicolon and closed parenthesis. And uh, little wink. that's just something I notice. I don't mean to make something out of it that it's not, but every time I see it, it's always in one of those points where, you know, you might expect something like that. Um, well, it says the ruler of the feast knew not, and he had a kind of he had a frown on. But the that's yeah. But the servants that drew the water, they knew. Yeah, but I, I saw that. I didn't see that, Mark. You're right. Yeah, ruler, he's got the 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 actual colon and the sad face. Yeah. But then the then the services drew the they knew wink. They kind of knew because they had thirty gallon pots and there's six of them and they yeah, had to fill. They had to do with it, yeah. Anyway, uh, God is unsearchable. But then He comes and He meets you. 
right there where you are, here or there or wherever. He meets you at the at the bottom of the worst pit you ever dug yourself into. He does. He always wants to restore you to fellowship. He wants to comfort you because he loves you. If you were one of his sheep, you know, I asked a fellow who was all certain you could lose salvation. I said, the Bible says that, the Lord himself says, if a man had a hundred sheep and one of them strayed or got lost, now he would put those 99 sheep in safe pasture and he will go find that which was lost. And I said, uh, I asked the brother, I don't want to embarrass him to call him out. He hadn't been a member of the study for a while. I love him to death, I really do. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I said, uh, are you one of the Lord's sheep? Oh, yeah, yeah. You are. You're 100% sure. Oh, yes, I'm one of the sheep. I said, is Jesus a, a pretty good shepherd? Or is he kind of hit and miss? Or is he the best? Is he the truly good shepherd? Well, he's the good shepherd. He said. Now, I said, does a good shepherd retrieve the sheep? Or does he get lost in the bushes and go back home to lick his wounds? I said, he'll find you. He'll find you in the midst of the biggest mess you ever got yourself into. He won't fail at that. If he goes to find you, he goes knowing that he's going to find you. He knows where you are anyway. And that he's going to bring you back. How do you lose such a salvation as that? You don't. Well, now, I know so-and-so and so, but they never missed a day in church, and then they got to gravel drive around, around messing around on their wife, and drinking and doping, and, and hit an oak tree one night and died. Well, God knows whether that guy was his or not, but that's not evidence that he lost salvation. If he didn't have it then, he never had it at any point prior to then either. Maybe evidence he did have salvation. That's true, because God judged. will judge you. Yeah. He says he holds us in his hand. He does. John chapter 10. And is able to pluck us John chapter 10. from his hand. So we ought not fear. We are secure in our salvation. So what do we do now? Keep battling the flesh. That's you you battle the flesh, absolutely. Because it's, it's going to come around and you're going to have these moments you know, and, and people that, that struggle in, in big ministry. And we say, well, I would have never done that. I'd have never made a pass at my secretary. Butter doesn't melt in my mouth. You know, you don't know. That's right. You don't know what you would have or wouldn't have done. You never know that you walk in someone's shoes what they dealt with and what they went through. And the enemy works in different ways. If you're a married person, he gets to your other half, and and they start withdrawing or depriving or acting in ways that would indicate that they don't care for you. Everybody 
wants to be cared for. So there you go. You know, if the devil's allowed to set the table, uh, he's going to run the rack on you. Yeah. And um, see, because Christ let Peter get sifted, he told him, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. So what that what that tell Peter? That told Peter that the Lord was going to let Satan sift him. Some people that are really naive ask, well, why? You know, uh, if Satan's such a problem and God's so almighty, why does God not just make the devil go away? Well, that's going to happen. But it's not happening now because he uses Satan. He does. An object of disobedience to sift us. He did that with Job, chapter 1, when <laughs> Satan comes before God. And God says, where you been? Up and down the earth, going to and fro in it. And then God said, have you considered my servant Job? Wasn't even on Satan's mind. Maybe Job was getting a little prideful. We better be careful of that. But one of the scariest things in the entire Bible, to me, is when Job says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. The thing that I feared the most has come upon me. We must learn from Job. You have to read the whole book to realize what really was going on. We can't let ourselves get puffed up. We can't say, well, I'd never do that. I'll, if all these, like Peter said, if all of them forsake you, I'll not do it. I'll never forsake you. And Jesus knew that every one of those disciples would have forsaken him if Satan was allowed to set the table. And they did. They were terrified. But Peter learned because Jesus didn't stop there. He said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Yet I have prayed for you. And then he said, And when you are returned, go and strengthen your brothers. Think about that. Jesus didn't say, When you're returned, go back to your brothers and you know, repent and apologize to them and ask them you know, to help you not do such bad things anymore. That's not what he said. He said, you go strengthen them. What Peter went through put him in a position to strengthen the ones who hadn't yet gone through it. What might Peter have said? I think Peter might have said, I want to tell you, I want to tell you all about the grace of God. I want to tell you how merciful he is. I want to tell you how forgiving and loving he is to have watched me do all I did denied him three times and he knew I was going to do it because he told me I was going to do it but then he restored me not only that he told Mary Magdalene go tell the others and Peter yes that's a good point so they had a one on one Yes, that's a good point. I've always felt that they had a one-on-one before he went back to his father. Probably so. 
Well, he's he's amazing. He's just absolutely amazing in his will to give, his capacity and will to love, his his will to restore and to bring us back from places that we stumbled to. That's our God. That's our that's our Lord. Be watching now what happens with this King Charles character in England. Be watching all of this. Uh, the uh, I've been saying when Satan's allowed to set the table, God's letting him do this. The devil is setting the table. And God has already told us how it's going to end. But the devil's going to do it anyway. Maybe thinking it won't really end that way. Maybe he can pull a fast one on the God who actually made him. Can you read that? What are we doing, Ray? Passing notes? Yeah. We're about to close. AFA. Let's uh, join hands. Y'all can do that after we <laughs> Bob, it's on you. Close us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of fellowship again. We appreciate it greatly that you give us the privilege of being able to meet here every Thursday. Thank you for the hospitality Dan and Christian provide us each and every week. The way this crazy world is going, I need to be here, and I'm sure everybody else sitting around this table right now yes. also feels that compunction yes. to be here, too. We need to strengthen one another, especially in these crazy days we're living in. Guide us and guide us, guide us and guard us, Lord, as we uh, go through this next week. Keep us in your favor, Lord. Keep us from temptation. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen.